As you're listening to this episode, let us know if you have any questions for our guest. If so, please send us a message to team at onehaas.org or join our discussion board using our Clever podcast app. You can download the app at clever.fm. Welcome to the One Haas podcast. I'm Chris Kim. Today, we have Eric Sassano. Eric is a graduating Haas MBA and an experienced leader and investment professional. Eric's background includes working in investment research and impact investing, and is also a double bear, double Haas alum. Eric, welcome and great to have you on the show. Thanks, Chris. Really appreciate it. Great to be here. I'd love to learn more about your story. You know, could you talk a bit about where'd you grow up and did you know that you would be where you are today when you were, were a kid and growing up? I was born in, in Southern California, youngest of four. My family moved up to Northern California when I was five turning six. So really grew up as a NorCal kid. Fortunate enough that I was only 15 minutes away from Berkeley my entire childhood. Really didn't know too much about it, frankly, until my brother, my oldest brother, went to Berkeley as well. So I'm, we have three bears in my family. All the boys in the family went to Berkeley. My sister went to Santa Cruz. And we all played soccer. And soccer oh, has wow. been an important part of uh, important part of my life for sure for a whole number of reasons. Not only because it, it helped me get into school, but I think just a lot of lessons learned along the way and still just some pretty impactful, pretty impactful ideas that I try to carry with me today. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Arinda is a great place, a great place to grow up, a lot of nice people, great education, and feel really fortunate to have grown up in that community for sure. A lot of lifelong friends that I'm still very close with that I've known since I was in elementary school. Eric, what was it like growing up so close to Berkeley and being kind of within the ecosystem of Cal, even even as a kid? You know, I think a lot of folks end up coming to Cal after either doing research or they find out about like the program, you know, through like a, a work connection or something like that, end up coming to the MBA program. What was it like actually experiencing that as a kid? And like, did that influence you at all in terms of figuring out what you might study in college or kind of what you might do for work in the future? The earliest memories I have of experiencing Berkeley were going to watch my, my older brothers play. And as a kid, I was, you know, big fan of them. And so whenever I go to their games, it's enough to sign me out of school some afternoons to go watch, you know, a big important game. And I do the whole face painting thing. So I was an avid Cal and Berkeley fan since I was a kid. But frankly, it never crossed my mind that I'd go to Berkeley, but really more importantly, that I would be able to go. But such a storied institution and it's just such a high caliber of people. I was pretty, I would say, fortunate and lucky that a lot of circumstances in life led me to Cal and Berkeley. Basically, up until I was going to Berkeley, I was not going to Berkeley. When I was a senior in, in high school, you know, I pretty much decided I wasn't going to go play soccer. I was going to go to San Diego and do bioengineering. I remember I learned for the first time in this, you know, like AP bio class, which is incredibly difficult. I barely passed, but I learned how and watched like a simulation of proteins folding. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Like soccer, (laughs) soccer's ending. I'm going to go focus on science. And then, you know, basically during the decision period, I found out that I was being recruited to Cal kind of last minute. And that was just an opportunity that I just, I couldn't give up. And so it was a pretty meaningful pivot at the last moment to say, okay, I need to go to Berkeley. That's crazy. We have a terminology we call folks double bears or which means essentially they went to Cal for they went to Berkeley for undergrad and they also came back for graduate school. You know, what was it like when you first got on campus and what was that 
college, ex- you, you probably had a, a little bit of a unique experience for college. What was that like compared to maybe what you thought you were going to do? Yeah. So I, fortunately, my middle brother um, and I were close. So when I was a, a junior and senior in high school, he was a, a junior and se- senior at Cal. And so we would go out to lunch, come out for dinner, spend a lot of time. So I got to spend, you know, more of those formative years hanging out with them in Berkeley and getting to really know and, and love the both the institution, but the city, the people. And so when I first came to Cal as a student, it was pretty surreal. Kind of really couldn't believe that I was there. I remember my first class was actually a music class. I ended up dropping it because I'm not a great singer, but it was, you know, massive class with hundreds of people. And I was pretty awestruck by that experience. And such a beautiful campus. I never really appreciated that growing up. But as I've now come back to Berkeley again, it's you know, some of my best memories are just taking walks throughout the campus. And so that's been an important part of just being immersed in this, again, just long tenured history. And so I'm fortunate, again, to have that kind of younger perspective and now a little bit older perspective. And I've certainly tried to not take it for granted because I think, I've, you know, 18, 19 years old, life is happening fast and you kind of miss out on on certain things just because things are moving so quickly. So as I've come back, it's really try to take the time and appreciate the experience for what it is. I've heard a bunch of things about the undergrad experience. What was that like for you? And you know, did you have any memories or experiences from the undergrad experience that kind of informed like who you would later become as part of that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's such a fantastic program. And again, candidly, I was a bit lucky in the sense that I was taking the courses to do the prerequisites, really not knowing what Haas was as an institution. I was fortunate enough to have some some close friends that were kind of back then you had to do you know, pre-host track. You had to mm-hmm. take your first two years and figure out this is what you wanted to do and then do an application process. And it just so happened that my interests aligned perfectly with like the prerequisite curriculum. So all the math, math classes, econ, business, this, that, and the other. And I was, as I was making the decision to quit playing soccer because I didn't make it four years. I only made it two years on the team. I decided to make that transition and I wanted to spend more of my time focused on school. And, you know, just the idea of being surrounded by some pretty competitive people, because I think as, as I reflect back, you know, it's certainly a really competitive and compelling cohort of friends that I'm still with today. You know, like I just look at the roster of folks and where they've gone, started companies like our executives now. It's such an awesome pipeline for growth. And formative professor, the late Rob Chandra, was a really impactful you know, quasi-mentor, not only for, I think, for myself, but for pretty much anyone he taught, frankly. He was a former partner at Bessemer. And so he was a venture guy that had success in life and wanted to come back to Berkeley where he was formerly in, in undergrad and he wanted to give back. And so he taught a class on alternative investments. And I took that my junior year and was just blown away and learned so much. And that really opened the door to what would, you know, kind of be my career at this point of alternative investing, private investing, investment allocation, those types of things. And, you know, I was so fortunate to take that class and then stay connected with him over the years. And I think anyone you talk to about him as a person would echo those comments of just a world-class person, let alone a a teacher, storyteller, business person, investor. So that was definitely something that stands out and like what was an important inflection point for me to kind of hone in on what I wanted to do post-school and post-hoss. 
Yeah, Eric, you know, the Haas in general is has this kind of reputation for people being really, really hardworking. But I don't think I'd be wrong in saying the undergrad has a very, very high reputation of knowing that like everyone is working really hard. Like they get a ton of internships. They're all in like a million and one clubs. How did your experience playing, you know, soccer in college compare to being a, a Haas student, you know, and, and then thinking about graduating? And what was that experience like transitioning from being a collegiate athlete to then having to be, a, you know, a super hardcore student? It was hard. I mean, I felt steps behind uh, imposter syndrome, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> felt certainly out of my league. And not certainly have overcome some of those things. But when I came back to Haas, it was another kind of feeling of that again, because such impressive people around you that have done so many awesome and interesting things like, whoa, how do I even deserve to be in this cohort of people? But, you know, I wouldn't lie that I certainly struggled for a period of time before I found kind of my footing and that kind of internal drive and belief to say, oh, you know what, I I do deserve to be here. I, I can work at this level. Yes, I'm behind because most of my life has been dedicated to kicking a ball around a field. But as I kind of started this conversation with there's so many lessons learned from the world of, of sport and specifically soccer that translated to success at Haas and thereafter. I mean, working hard across initiatives, endeavors, this, that, and the other has a similar flavor. And I've worked pretty hard those first two years pre-Haas as an athlete and trying to get good grades to, to get into Haas to begin with. But you're totally right. I mean, people were in multiple clubs doing founding businesses, this, that, and the other. So there was certainly a period of, of awestruck and feeling like I need to catch up. Yeah, absolutely. Man, it's crazy. Yeah, Erica, you know, you've had a pretty, in a lot of respects, successful career, even post-college, you know, how did you decide to go into finance and, you know, as a career choice? And what was that process like uh, for you going from a you know, full-time student to now becoming a early, you know, working professional and, and starting your professional journey? Yeah, you know, most of my family is from soccer. My dad's uh, an attorney. My mom's a teacher. And fortunately, going back to your previous question on on working hard, you know, it's funny, they both did night school for their professional degrees. And so for better or for worse, I've mirrored that ability to turn on that extra, extra level and extra gear that I need to. And so I, you know, I wasn't able to rely on them for insight into the world of finance, but I was able to kind of utilize that hardworking framework that they gave me. And really, you know, they gave me such a gift and being able to think about, you know, you can do whatever you want. The world is there for you. And I do think that was just such an important gift and runway for for my growth. And to that point, I think it was hard for me to make a decision as to exactly what I wanted to do. But as I mentioned, Rob showed me the way of this pretty cool universe of investing. And I was fortunate enough through a connection with soccer to find Hall Capital, which really kind of provided me with this foundational investment experience and exposure, thinking holistically across asset classes, geographies, underlying strategies from the earliest stages of a company to its later stages as a public business. You know, thinking really holistically as like, what does it mean to be an investor? Um, what does it mean to you know, look at the market, both domestically and internationally, and think we're a good places to make investments. And so I wanted to find something that was fairly broad, because I knew I needed, I needed the runway to dive deeper into something that was interesting. And ultimately, Hall did give me that I started off on the client facing side of the business and then transitioned to investment research. And so over the course of five years, which at that point, you know, I had a lot of friends that were 
certainly higher attrition. Five years was kind of like a dinosaur, I feel like, in that cohort. But I was able to learn a lot and I was able to build, you know, a strong network of people that ultimately opened opened the door for me to come back to business school and come back to Haas. That's awesome. Yeah, Eric, for some folks are familiar, but or may have a better insight, but a lot of folks um, may not understand quite like how investment management works or portfolio management specifically. Could you explain a bit in terms of the, you know, what are the tactical things that like a new college grad, for example, would get asked to do as part of that? And then transitioning to, um, you talked about like investment research, like what would that pivot look like for someone who's in the industry? Totally. You know, from a high level investment management is this really interesting intersection of the hard due diligence and hard financial analysis and impeccable client service. And so there are certain things that you can quantify, risk, return, allocations, this, that, and the other. But there are certain things that you can't quantify necessarily in the same way. That is, how do you interact and treat your clients and what kind of partnerships do you form with them? But they're equally as important. You can't have a business with no clients. You can't make investment and help make investment decisions if you don't have clients. And so you know, early on from that type of role, if you graduated from, from undergrad, you're really getting a broad exposure. I enjoyed being on the client service side, client facing side, because you know, you're helping people solve problems. At the end of the day, if you take a step back, a number of my clients were families, a number of them were endowments for charitable foundations and this, that, and the other doing really impactful and powerful things. And to be a part of that in a very small way from my perspective, but nonetheless, a part of it was meaningful and, and valuable for me. I wanted to make sure that in some way or somehow my role was adding value, both from kind of a firm perspective, but also an impact. What are these dollars being used for at the end of the day? And so, you know, you can pick a lot of different lanes within investment management. You can go work for direct investing where you're actually buying stakes in companies. You can allocate to funds. You can be a consultant somewhere in between. But I, you know, my experience, I feel so fortunate for you. I mean, you can only plan so much and so many things in your life, but going broad to narrow was, was super helpful. As I went more narrow, it was really because I wanted to hone in on what was the most interesting asset class for me personally at the time, which I think is still incredibly interesting, but within venture capital and, and private equity and allocating funds to those types of managers. And those types of external funds. And so being really close to innovation was an awesome experience and understanding, okay, how do you take an idea? How do you, you know, work an idea, turn it into a company? How do you scale a business? I really wanted to ask those questions. I had that itch of like, what does that look like and how do you invest? That's awesome. Eric, you know, I've heard this a lot, and I know a lot of other folks get this question. You know, you already graduated from a top business school, you know, in your undergrad, and you're a long tenured person already working in a lot of people's dream jobs. Like, why would you even go? What was the impetus to to want to go back and get the MBA? And what was your thought process as you were going through that? Because I know a lot of folks think, you know, it's super transactional. I did this for this, and it's point A to point B. But could you explain maybe to, to folks who may not understand what was going through your mind in terms of why go back and get the MBA? Absolutely. You know, I think that answer has rightfully so changed over a period of time and you and will continue to change as the circumstances of life and professional career necessitate a different answer. I think the role that I was in was predominantly a pre-MBA type role, which is pretty consistent for financial services, whether it's investment banking, investment management, or consulting. And so at some level, it was, hey, this is probably what you're going to do. There's a ceiling of opportunity here at, at the current firm, which is an interesting construct. And 
you know, could probably spend many, many podcasts on <laughs> diving into like the intrinsic motivation needed to succeed when you know there's a finite life and finite period. But I think it it forced me to make the decision. You know, I took a step back and said, this is not a known next step. I don't necessarily know that I'm going to go to business school. I really had to ask myself the hard question because it is a big commitment, not only financially, but as you know, Chris, a lot of sacrifices of time and energy and you can't do it all. So at some point you're going to have to sacrifice something. And so I really tested that. I really tested, okay, why do I want to go back to school? What is this going to get me? And ultimately the arc and kind of narrative I told myself was, I've been an investor for five years. I have seen a lot of different asset classes. I want to know what it means to go work at a company. And I think Haas or any top business school would help me make that transition to a high growing company to see what it means to scale that business Mm -hmm. on the ground, like live and breathe scale, Mm -hmm. which I think is important ultimately because I think it'll make me a better investor. And I knew at some point I would come back to investing. I just didn't know Mm -hmm. how or when or really um, what that would look like. And so it's funny, similar to the undergrad experience, I did not get into the hospital time, which looking back is 100% the best outcome for me. I was going to go to UCLA for a couple weeks there. I was like, this is it. This is the full-time program. This is going to be great. And then an interesting thing in life happened where I, I got a job in a high growth company that was basically doing, if you go back to that arc that I was talking about, it was like, oh, this is a high growth business. I can be an operator. I can know what it means to go through a transaction. I'm just going to do that. While that happened, I also applied to Haas part-time. And these two things kind of happened within like two or three weeks of each other and you couldn't even really plan it out. And so I started a new job, an entirely new industry, an entirely new role. And I started Haas a couple months later. And the two things paired together very well. Obviously, it was a lot of work because I had no idea what I was doing, probably in both. So the familiarity of Haas was was nice in that regard. Mm -hmm. But it was certainly an adventure, (laughs) no small feat to just do something totally different while doing business school. That's crazy. Yeah, Eric, I remember those, like the first couple of weeks of the program. And I think I even remember meeting you and you were kind of saying, well, you know, I'm in this new job and you were explaining it. We're like, wow, that is totally different. That's like, uh, it's interesting business. It's like totally, it's a new role. And then you're also starting the MBA at at the same time. And Hossies are super ambitious, but that was like, wow, Eric is... That was impressive. But you ended up working in that company for, for a while. And then even before you graduated, you ended up pivoting at Caprock Group. What was that experience like for you? And what were you thinking about eventually transitioning? Or how was that process in your mind as you were kind of, you had this day job and then also transitioning to this other company that now allows you to go back into investing, like you mentioned? Yeah. So I had that loose framework and personal narrative that I was kind of using as my guiding light. But again, I didn't really know how it was all going to shake out at the end of the day. The role that I was in at when I started Haas in a finance and operations role, I knew that also had a finite life to it because we're basically trying to sell three businesses, which eventually we ended up doing. And so at a certain point, it was like, okay, those businesses are sold. It's time to figure out kind of what happens next. And so it was a kind of a natural inflection point, which was nice for me. And I was actually able for the first time in you know, since I had started working to take a couple of months for myself. Granted, this is during COVID and that was a whole complicated factor, but I felt fortunate to take those uh, couple of months to reset, reorient myself and look back to that guiding light. I had entertained 
doing kind of a corporate finance role. But when I really came down to it was I wanted to be back in the investor seat. I wanted to think strategically across a whole host of different asset classes and eventually help clients and help people make smart decisions with their money. And so it took a little bit of time to tell that story. To me, it made, made a lot of sense, right? Oh, as an investor turned operator, now I'm going back to investing. Like I'm a better investor because I know what it means to work at a company. Some people bought into it and other people didn't because a pivot is, you know, you always have to tell some kind of narrative. Mm-hmm. But I was I was fortunate enough to find Caprock. It's actually a really funny and weird story. As I was finishing the negotiation on the phone, I was driving my brother and uh, his father-in-law and two cars full of stuff from California to Minnesota because he was moving. He moved during the pandemic. And so we're in Montana and I'm negotiating on the phone with my now current boss. And we finally get to the point where we're like, okay, this sounds great. I'm on board. Like I'm excited to join Caprock. And we stop at this state park in Montana which was just awesome. We're watching the sunset and we're going to this trail. Mm-hmm. And mind you, the name of my firm is Caprock. And at this specific state park in Montana, which we decided we were going to go to, but two days before, there's a trail that's called Caprock Trail. And I was like, okay, that's super weird. I don't really know what to do with that. But I think it's a good sign. So good thing I already said, yeah, because that would have <laughs> that would have messed with my head if I had found out that beforehand. But yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> oh my gosh, what are the chances? Eric, you know, both you and I are coming towards the end of the program and we'll be graduating soon. You know, what are your reflections from your experience at Haas? And then also, what are some of your thoughts, both professionally and personally, as it relates to what you're planning to do after after you're done with the MBA? Yeah. First and foremost, I can't really believe that it's been three years, almost three years. (laughs) My wallet and bank account know that it is. You know, that's part of it. Like you're making an investment in yourself. And ultimately, like Mm -hmm. it's one of it's been one of the best personal investments that I've made in myself, both from a financial return and not financial return perspective. You know, I think the relationships between professors, colleagues, alumni have been unbelievable. I think you, know, you can't put a price on this professionalization and self-confidence building exercise that I think a lot of people go through when they go through an MBA program. You just, you get to a point where perhaps before it was a little bit fake it till you make it. And then after you're kind of like, oh no, I, I can do this. You know, I can... I can learn something totally new and thrive and succeed in that. So I think that's been incredibly invaluable. And I think pairing it with work has been important for me. So the part-time program allowed me to do, you know, a one plus one equals three type situation. I think there's just so many compliments between the two. I could take lessons learned from both. I'm sure you you would agree. You can take, yep. it's harder for sure. But you can take lessons learned and you, the growth happens like almost exponentially. I think there will be continued value that I don't even know about that will pop up in the next five or 10 years. But another important part is just being able to take a step back and reflect and say, okay, am I on the path that I want to be on? If not, how do I make a change? If I am on the right path, that's great. Let me keep checking in with myself. And I think at this point, I'm, I'm on the path that I want to be is continuing to deepen my skill set as an investor. And grateful for the people and opportunity. Obviously, COVID was particularly weird. I'm sure we have challenging feelings about that. But at the end of the day, you know, I take a step back and say, look, I'm still incredibly fortunate to have gone to such a prestigious school and and be around like awesome people, even if a lot of it was over Zoom. From the grand scheme of things, it was a, a really great place to be. And you can't trade those experiences. And so 
I'm hopeful, excited, you know, got a lot of energy looking towards the future, looking to travel a bit here when, when school's over. So that'll be good. But yeah, I'll be excited to see what happens next. It's been a fun journey for sure. You know, as we're getting towards the end of the podcast, you know, we typically ask guests, you know, if they have an organization or a cause that they want to plug to give them an opportunity to share that with listeners. Is there any type of organization or cause that you'd like folks to get behind and, you know, any kind of actions or next steps that folks might be able to do to help support that cause? Yeah, no, I appreciate the opportunity. A couple of different things I'll say with, with the time with the plug, you know, I was fortunate enough when I was an undergrad to help start a class at Haas, specifically for Haas and non-Haas majors to help them get a job and help them figure out, you know, how to navigate the interview resume process. And so it's called the workshop. And if you're ever asked or want to proactively volunteer your time, like always looking for really interesting, exciting people to this day to help, you know, build that network and help people eventually, you know, do what you're kind of focused on in school is finding a job. And so that mm-hmm. I think that's a a great plug there. Um, and then also maybe just an indirect one is, you know, both of my sister and my mom are teachers. And to the extent that I find the time to give back and go to those schools and teach impromptu lessons or teach part of the curriculum where they see fit, I think there's such a value add for people coming from industry to going and telling the story and having kids hear it from your mouth and your perspective just adds so much value. And so it's not a follow this organization. It's more, you know, be involved in your community and find opportunities to kind of make change and, and help out where you can. Well, Eric, it's been awesome to be in conversation. You know, we typically, as our tradition, end with a lightning round, some fun, quick questions towards the end. would love to go through some of the questions if you'd be up for it. Let's do it. All right. Well, uh, first question and a favorite, favorite place to eat in Berkeley. Oh, <laughs> let me go with uh, cheese board for dinner and yeah. yogurt park for a treat. Oh, nice. Yeah. And for folks who haven't gone, definitely great places. Absolutely. A second question. Lasting memory from your time at Haas. Lasting memory from time at Haas. Day and kind of orientation, day one and orientation. Just hanging out with friends until way too early in the morning and <laughs> people that you just met for the first time and just the the community and camaraderie that was apparent right away. It was pretty awesome. What's uh, one piece of advice that you give to people, either um, professional or personal? Yeah, I think check in with yourself, whether it's in your personal life, whether it's in your professional life. I think the world of COVID has exposed the upside of doing that and the upside of, of slowing down and say, hey, how am I doing? Where do I need help? Where can I improve? Where do I need to slow down this, that, and the other? And I think that's just really important to have that inner dialogue um, either with yourself or with someone close to you, but just being mindful and, and intentional to set yourself up for success. And last one, what's one thing that gets you excited for the future? Mm. Well, there are a lot of things that are complicated and scary. I think, you know, the pace of innovation and just the exciting, exciting ways of thinking about the world and solving our, those big problems and solving those scary things. You know, there's a lot of smart people that are dedicated to doing that. You know, you look at like a big carbon capture removal technology just raised, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. Hopefully it really works and hopefully it can work at scale. But even five, 10 years ago, that wasn't even possible. And so I think we're starting to see a lot of a lot of momentum in those types of industries that are solving big, hard problems. And so innovation and ingenuity and people that want to do good by themselves and the people around them. Eric, it's been great to have you on the show and, you know, wish you all the best in the future. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, everyone. Really appreciate the opportunity. And yeah, go Bears. Go Bears. 
Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the One Haas Podcast. If you enjoyed our show today, please remember to hit that subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast player. We'd also really appreciate you giving us a five-star rating and review. If you're looking for more content, please check out our website at haas.fm. That's spelled H-A-A-S dot F-M. There you can subscribe to our monthly newsletter and check out some of our other Berkeley Haas podcasts. And until next time, go Bears. Thank you.